Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay. <laughs> Recorded live. Hello and welcome. This is Denise Michael. And I am here with Christopher Moses, and today is December 19, 2017. Hi, Chris. Hello, Denise. And Chris happens to be in Toronto today. Um, and today we're going to be talking about expect Chapter 17, Expect the Best and Provide the Best. Um, you know, the one thing that popped into my brain, um, because I come from the point of, you know, like small business, and if this just isn't your target market, you know, just let me know. But how do you provide the best if you don't quite have the funds to provide the best? Well, I think people have the funds. They just spend them elsewhere. I okay. I, I see, I see no shortage I see no shortage of lines going into Starbucks for a six or seven dollar coffee every day that I drive by it. So, <laughs> at the, when when you look at the 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 dinner menu that's on there, you say filet mignon. Like holy smokes, that's expensive. You get a good filet mignon for oh, what twenty bucks a pound, and then normally people eat like an eight ounce portion of a steak, so that's ten dollars, and then you figure. Mm-hmm that uh, you want to put a little lobster there, you get a lobster for six bucks a, a tail, and then have everybody else bring the rest of the food. So you're, you're in for each employee less than $20 once a year to cook them dinner. Can, right. And let's say you have 10 employees, you go to Starbucks five times a week. So could you maybe go to Starbucks four times a week? That would give you 50, 50 days of non-Starbucks times $6 is, 300 bucks. But I think, I think we, we spend our money on things that's important to us. Based and I, and I, I am, that's right. And I am such a, a guilty person on that. Like for, and maybe you can put this book or not. My, one of my employees says that when I, at Christmas time, she sometimes ends her email with pound Grinch for life. Because what, I don't buy Grinch. Grinch. She thinks I'm a Grinch. Oh, Grinch. Grinch. Okay. Be, because I, I don't get into the, the Christmas stuff. I I don't go and decorate the office with tons of lights and put cards all over and garland. But then in her office, it's completely decorated. So okay. to her, it's important. She's spending her money on that, and I'm not. So everybody's own thing. I can see putting a little something, you know, in oh, your yeah. office. I mean, or just, I, you know, one little thing to remind you that it's Christmas, like a two-foot-tall tree on the console or something like that. But, yeah. you know, yeah. So well, yeah. I have the basics. I have some basic things out there. But she likes lots of decorations. Well, it, the interesting thing is there's a lot of books out there. Uh, David Bach wrote, uh, oh, what is, what's his book called? David Bach, it's um, 
everyday millionaire or something. Oh, smart people finish rich. I think that's and smart, smart women finish rich. Okay. Yeah, and his big thing that he, he writes in every one of his books is how he makes millions of dollars is he calls it the latte factor of what's the cost for a latte. If you decrease your latte consumption, you'd be a millionaire, and the math works out. Right. So find out what your latte is. You know, my latte is going out to expensive dinners. It's it's not uncommon for me once a month to take the wife and kids out and spend two hundred dollars on dinner, fifty bucks a piece. Right, right. So what did you do this year for your employees for something special for the holidays? Oh, we we had that dinner. Oh, for Christmas. Well, I don't have a whole lot of employees. So we just all went out to a really nice dinner at a place called Nick and Sam's. Okay. So you took them so all since out. They don't have, yeah, since they don't have uh, like 40 people coming to my house, spending 400 bucks or 500 bucks on dinner wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, you know, obviously we're like six days away from Christmas as we're talking about this chapter. So, you know, it's like that's the thing that we're talking about is, you know, doing something special for the holidays. But what are the other kinds of occasions that it makes sense to do something where you really, you know, kind of pull out a little luxury? Well, you know, every day is a holiday to me. I think uh, we talked about this earlier mm-hmm. that you should you should celebrate the ordinary. Celebrate the ordinary, <laughs> yeah. There, there's, there's, I would say four times, I think I shared this with you before, four times, in a person's career for that, that you should not celebrate because you celebrate them for, for breathing. One, their first day in the job, you, you throw all the parties out there, you, you take them out to lunch, you put a welcome banner. Number two is their anniversary. One year later, they, congratulations, you're still around, you haven't been fired. So you give them a cake, a card, and recognize them for that. Third like a one is uh, anniversary. Yeah, work anniversary, yeah. Next one is their birthday. When we give one employee a birthday card, all employees want a birthday card, and then you start impacting the emotions there. But also, they didn't do anything besides breathe. And the last one, which I think is the worst, is when you recognize employees for leaving. You have an employee who's, who leaves the company, going to another company, chances are leaving because of you, and, and you throw them a party with a cake that says, we wish you weren't going, we love what you've done. And then the employee's like, well, wait, wait a second. I've been here for however many years or months or weeks. Why didn't you tell and me? Why didn't you tell me? And now they feel horrible. I remember this, this lovely lady who was a recruiter at a company I worked at. She had worked there for three years as a recruiter. I thought she was a fine job. But her boss has never recognized her for it. And then on her last day, they had the surprise going away party with the cake and candles and all, there's like food and all this. Because she, she really did a good job. But nobody told her. So now they're having a party for her going away, and she's she's tearing up and crying. And I talk to her, what's the matter? She says, they never told me. I really like working here, but I didn't think that they valued me, so I want to go somewhere else. Right. Do you think sometimes so, bosses oh, – go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. I would say, so, so any other reason besides those, it, anything related to performance, those four reasons that people party and have those events, nobody's performed. All they've done is stayed alive. Anybody right. can do that just by sitting in a Definitely. chair. So yep. your, to answer your question, my long-winded way is you recognize when things happen, when the ordinary occurs, when there's performance, when things are happening, 
and you don't have to go all out. I used to have these things called dip parties, and like you feel like, oh, a dip party. It was kind of funny. You could call somebody a dip, or you know, I don't know if it's a derogatory term these days. Seems like everything is. But what it really was was people would bring their would make a dip at home and bring it to the house. So we'd sit there and watch football, have dip and and beer and whiskey and wine, and have the families there at the house. Probably cost me twenty bucks to feed everybody because everybody else brought their dips too, and we right. had a lot of fun. So, so like dip, like hummus or French onion dip or something, salt. Oh, yeah, I just, I, I, yeah, I just buffalo chicken dip was mine. That's funny. All right, all right. So, so you're saying do it when there's uh, performance things to celebrate, like we achieved a goal or exceeded a goal or something like that. Well, no, I'm not necessarily saying that. I'm, I'm saying, I, yes, you need to perform. Every day you need to perform. Every day you're there, you're adding value to your organization. So you don't need a set thing. You don't need to achieve something huge in order to get together and have fun. But you need to right. perform. You need, you need to run payroll every two weeks. If you run payroll every two weeks and you say, hey, I'm calling for a dip party, then have a dip party. You don't need to have, well, we saved $10 million in payroll. Now let's celebrate. It's supposed to be fun. And you expect people to be, like, we, we talked earlier in the book about the part, or protect, accuracy, results, timeliness. If that's the requirement and they're doing that, you I, that's a high level expectation to be accurate all the time, to protect the data all the time. That is, that can get stressful. Go party, go have fun. And right. and the one thing I say is, with the filet mignon and stuff, you don't need that filet mignon bison. That that's like Chris Moses thing. Some people are vegetarian. They're whatever their issue or that issue, whatever their their taste buds are. Okay. Don't have hamburgers and hot dogs because that's like so common. Make it different. Shake it up a little bit. Dip parties shake it up because it's inexpensive, and you never know what kind of dip they're going to bring to the party, which actually makes it sound kind of funny. Or thought that way. What mm-hmm. dip are you bringing to the party? Right, right. So the next thing on the outline that says expect the best, I do it twice a year with my team. So you do it at the holidays, which is right now. You took them out to a nice restaurant. And yeah. what's the other time of year you do it? Sometime in the spring. Right, okay. June-ish. I think it's calmed down. Mm-hmm. Kids are out of school. Just before vacations, I think it ended up being in June most of the time. No, that's for the big ones. I mean, that's twice a year I did the big things with the with the meats, the proteins, where it cost me 20 to 30 bucks a person, let's say. Uh, but I did things at my house all the time. Like people can work right. for football. I love the thing or, where you took everybody out for manicures, you know. Oh, Just yeah, I did that or... Or paintball. I mean, we always did something. I mean, we didn't have to be our, our best friends, but we worked together. And then a lot of times the stuff we, we went out would be during the work day, but the, the fancier things would be after work or if there's an event going on. Now, here, here's a funny thing I did. <clears throat> there was whiskey tasting, like this, this whole event, and I think it was like 100 bucks a person. You know, so don't put that in the book, but it was really expensive. And I had a team of all women because that we did the the little pedigree things, right, or manicures. Right. So I had no boys to go with me to this whiskey tasting at the Shenandoah Club in Roanoke, Virginia. So I took their husbands and boyfriends, and we all went out and had fun. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a little bit, you, a little bit different. Why do you think I'm kind of going back to that employee that you know left because nobody told her she they appreciated her? Why do you think um, leaders or bosses don't tell their employees that they appreciate them that they're doing good work? I mean, in the back of my mind, I always think it's because they're going to ask for a raise is too big and they can't do it, and you know. But no. why do you think so? I think it's because we've been conditioned not to do that. You're conditioned that there, everybody has opportunities. Right? There's so many training things on there that says, what are your opportunities? What do you have to improve on? And every year you're focusing on improving, improving, improving. And you have your annual performance review where not everybody can be exceeds expectations. So I think they're just they're afraid to do it. Maybe they just, it's just not their daily vernacular to do that. Instead of looking for good things, we're looking for, oh, what's wrong today? Yeah, I, 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 remember, I remember a couple times I would have a boss that would say, Denise, just keep in mind, no news is good news. In other words, yeah, it's like, not you're doing fine. And when I worked for this, you know, big best-selling author, I was working from home. And, you know, sometimes I would fly into Salt Lake for meetings or I would drive down to San Diego for meetings. You know, but, I mean, there were other times when I was just doing my thing and I wouldn't hear from them for months at a time, you know? Yeah. So. It makes you wonder, have they forgotten about me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the so. that, I think we're also conditioned to, you know, traveling a lot. I said restaurants and bars or the little, uh, what what are they called, the lounge for premium members at the Marriott where you said they get free right. breakfast and everything. Right. And I would say probably the majority of the conversations that people are talking about are all negative. They're about negative things. Oh, did you hear what Trump did? Did you hear what this employee did? I can't believe what this person did. And there's there's almost that human excitement, get a little dopamine in your system by being able to talk bad about somebody else. But you never talk bad about yourself. And since it's so right. easy to find something negative to talk about where you can gauge the conversation, you With just others. don't think about you just don't think about saying something positive. Stop right. saying the negative. You know, find something well, positive. What do they say? Good news travels fast. Bad news travels faster. Yeah. You know. I think so, it, I, I've heard that before. I think it's I think it's kind of hokey, but I think good news has a stopping point. Maybe after one or two people. I mean, like you go oh. and you say to to somebody says, "Hey, this person saved the company a million dollars," and I tell my boss. Well, then my boss, that's great. Okay. Okay. Then I go to, let's say somebody else goes to the boss and says, hey, this person is having an affair with their secretary. And then now everybody in the office knows because that's spicy and people like to focus on the negative. Right. Right. I don't know if I told you this. Right. I don't know if I told you this story before, Chris. When I was much younger, I went through a divorce. And I was working in a insurance office for a large company, but this particular office had like maybe 60, 70 people. And I thought, how do I get the word out that I'm getting a divorce? I'm not going to send out announcements or something, you know, right? So anyway, this guy, kind of, this guy who was kind of a friend of mine, and he was known for being like the office gossip. I said, John, I said, 
you know, I'm telling you this in confidence. Don't tell anyone. But, you know, so-and-so and I are getting divorced, right? Well, like a week later, my boss, were like driving to a meeting with a client, and he goes, Denise, he goes, I swear, and I told my boss too, and he says, I swear, Denise, I didn't tell anybody, but he goes, it's all over the office you're, that you're getting divorced. And I said, of course it is. He goes, what do you mean? I said, I told him McGonagall, you know. <laughs> he couldn't stop laughing. So anyway. So, um, okay. Uh, next thing on the outline, it says, are you giving your best? Are you listening? So it's not just about, you know, like a party with filet mignon. It's also about giving your best as well, like in your everyday interaction with your people. I think as a leader, a manager, husband, wife, whatever you're doing, a friend, if somebody's talking to you about something and you're sitting there on your phone, you're not listening. You're not giving your best. Of course not. I, I, catch, I catch myself doing that all the time. Like I, I'm amazed at how many dinners we can have as a family when we go out, like we're traveling, and we're all just sitting on our phones. And then someone says something, we're like, okay, yeah. And then ask me five minutes later what they said. I'm like, I don't know. Beats me. Right. 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 Yeah, because, I, you know, our our brains are really not built for multitasking, you know. No, um, we talk for that, yeah. But right. video conferencing is so funny. It's it's hilarious to watch video conferencing. Because some people are on it, they don't realize they're on it. And I've heard stories and I've seen oddities. Like, like people just kind of, you, you know, they're, they're they're listening to the meeting. They think they forget that their their videos on, so they get up and they leave the room. And you're still talking. Like where the heck did they go? And you know that they've left the room. Maybe they can hear from an earshot away. But they're doing something else. Or they're getting a coffee or something. Or maybe they just decided you weren't that important. Like, what kind of message are you giving to people when you do stuff like that? It's like they're unimportant. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So says be, be focused and attentive. I mean, I think that's one of the most important ways you can be your best with the people that you work with or the people in your personal life as well. You know? Yeah. And, and you actually have better results, too. It's, I've had employees who, I can tell they're not listening to me. They're thinking about something else. And, they're, and like, they go to a meeting and they come back with no notes, and that's, that's a no-no. If somebody invites you to a meeting, there's got to be something important for them to be there. What do they say? What is your to-do? And, uh, and they don't do anything. And things get wrong. So then they get You notes. know, I, I understand what you're saying, Chris. A lot of times women are concerned about, like, being pigeonholed as the secretary if they take notes. You know, I don't know. What do you think? I, no, I, I don't think. I think that's a long time ago. If you're in a meeting okay. Okay. And, so, and, somebody, and somebody says, I need these 10 things done to this marketing plan, and you don't write those 10 things down, then you're probably not going to remember all 10 of them. It means you don't consider them important. Yeah. The, the biggest lie I think people tell to themselves is I will remember that. And I tell yeah. myself that all the time. I remember that. And like two days later, I was supposed to do something. What was it? Totally flew out of your brain. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Next thing is... I mean, go ahead. I was going to say, look at our outline. We, 
There's no way I'd remember all this stuff. That's why I text it to myself. Right, right. Um, next thing it says, video conferencing. And then it says, giving the minimum needed so you'll go away. Tell me what you had in mind when you put that down. I think when an employee comes over and and or even boss, I think it doesn't really matter what level you're at or your children, you're going to give just enough so they'll go away and if they came back and asked for more advice, you'd have no clue because you weren't listening in the first place. It's like when it's like when I said head petting a dog is the next thing. That's kind of like what dogs want. They just want you to come over, you pet their head, and you say, go away. And they go and lay right. down and give you the dirty look. That's what you're doing right. to your employees. But, I mean, you can pet your dog's head while you're on the phone or reading a book or watching TV or whatever. You know, dogs don't need that. They just want want their head petted, which is the the minimum, you know. What, what, so, what it be, yeah, you have to scratch your belly, too. What do you think? What do you think? What, Chris, do you think happens over the long run when people give the minimum or they say they're listening but they're texting somebody, you know? The, I mean, that, the, that becomes your reputation. That, that is, we talked a, long, a while ago about brands. That is your brand. Right, right. You need something right. to get, you want, if, if I need something to get done correctly, I go to, the, like I had Heather who worked for me for a long time. Heather drove people nuts because she was so specific. But I knew that I could sit down with Heather and give her all the instructions. She'd take the 50 notes of things that we need to get done, and she'd work on it, and it would be accurate when it came back to me. But right. then I had other employees who wouldn't do that. and then that had, But then that, that becomes a, a, a pain for, for the Heathers of the world because now they're, they, they have that work ethic. So because they have the work ethic, that's the person that I go to because I'm comfortable. I know the data will fit in the part category to protect the accuracy results timeliness. And then I, I then deflect and I, I don't give the important stuff to the other people. So they're upset because they're not getting important things. But their brand is that it's going to be wrong when I, when I get it back. It's going to be slow. They're not going to take notes. It, it's self-inflicting. Right. Um, okay, good. All right. I was just writing down protect accuracy results timeliness, you know. So anyway, I should have that memorized by now. So all right. So um, when you're talking about providing the best, um, you've got down here tools for the workplace, okay? Are you talking about um, training? Are you talking about, you know, having a fast Internet connection in the office? I mean, tell me more about what you have in mind for that. Remember how we had mental sanity, educational sanity, and tool sanity? Sure. So I, I think that we we do pretty good with educational because education is free on the web if people take it. Uh, but then when it comes to the tools, are you giving the people the tools that they need to to be effective in their roles? One of the companies that I'm working that I've worked with in the past would give people cell phones. Well, if you're global company or even a multi-state company and you work in a HR, how can the person not have a phone? Something could happen. They can't check their email. They have to log on their computer. So it's just weird not having those tools available. Or when somebody goes into it, it says instruction for the job next, you know, 
that's part of your tool. It wasn't even more education, but it's a tool that they'd have. It's something to reference what they're supposed to do. I think everybody should have a job description. Right, right. So obviously, you know, I mean, there's some there's some things that are available free on the Internet, but there's things like, um, you know, people get certified in how to use, say, Microsoft Word. You know, I'm using that because I use it every day. You know, mm-hmm. or you know, there there's certifications in different kinds of things, which kind of means investing in your people a little bit. You know. Yeah. You, you right. Use investments if you if you want the best from them, you know, provide the best. Right. Right. I'm amazed at how know. many people are on like Excel 2000, and we're in the year 2017, where they have. They have a Office 365. They update the software every month, it seems like. But companies, they, they don't put the money into it. They don't see any value in it. But that's probably because they haven't educated their people on how to do the visual basics so that things go a lot smoother. Or, you know, because they don't do the job themselves, they have no, like, sort of empathy or understanding how much a particular tool will help a group of people. Yeah. yeah, here's an interesting story that brings up an old, old memory of mine. Is I, I was working at a, a company, and they gave me the standard computer. But with, with my job and total rewards, I deal with millions of rows of data. And the, the processor on it was so slow, so it would take hours to, to calculate, but they wouldn't give me a new computer. It took, it took months and months to, to justify it and how much time was wasted. Let's say I just made like 20 bucks an hour, and I wasted, I don't know, 500 hours letting this thing calculate. Well, that's a lot of money. That's $10,000. You should bought me a computer. Yeah, the computer would cost a heck of a lot less than $10,000. Yeah. I mean, now you, get, you can get a really good computer for 500 bucks now. And if you're a corporate yeah. partner with Dell, it might even be cheaper. Right. Right. So, anyway, so the thing is, is that that instruction or better tools or better laptop or whatever it is, you know, there's a good possibility it will end up saving the company money in the long run. Yeah, correct. You know, like um, you mentioned in Chapter 2 that I just sent to you earlier this morning that, um, you know, you and your... Uh, one of the people that is on your team uh, had a client that asked you to do a project and you had said that if you didn't have certain tools um, like the latest version of Excel and Access that it would have taken like 500 hours and instead it ended up taking like 30 hours. Yep because we were able to build the, the tool, the Visual Basic needed to push it between the programs. Yep. Right. Right. So the re- rewards um, when you expect the best and provide the best is that people become more engaged, turnover goes down, and value goes up. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. If you're um, working at can you- can you give me like an example or a story from I I mean you probably got a million of them from your experience where that was the case? 
sure. At uh, when I was first time director way back a uh, long time ago, uh, Advanced Auto Parts, I had no turnover because we were we ended up getting all the latest office products. Our computers were all jazzed up. We were able to to produce I think it was like let's say fifteen thousand bonuses every four weeks by pushing buttons. So uh, I had a a eight or compensation consultants who built this massive database and it would let's say fifteen thousand bonuses were calculated. Fifteen thousand individual letters went out to the people that was specific to how they achieved their bonus. So there's probably twenty different versions of letter based on your results. And then it created summary things that rolled up to the district manager, the regional vice president, the SVP of stores, and then finally to the CEO. All with a push of a button. And uh, made it, it, it made it fun. It's like, wow, that's kind of cool. What else can we do? Right, right. I know your business is less than a year old, um, but do you have an example of one of your clients and customers where you recommended that they upgrade their tools and they either did and got a great result or didn't and they're still stumbling along? Um. But I don't think, let's see, who would be, actually, well, one, we're, they're, we've uh, recommended to to upgrade their, their uh, incentive software from Microsoft Excel to a incentive cop tool, uh, ICM, incentive cop management tool, we call it. The company that we went with was uh, exactly, I'm not sure if you can put that in or not, because they, they might not know yet, uh, if, if they were to do that, the company would have, uh, ability for the managers and the salespeople to see the results within at least a day or less of all their sales, calculate their incentives, have clean information. Uh, compared to now, they do everything in Excel, so it's they have a general idea of how they're doing, but they don't get a, a final tally until weeks after the measurement period has ended. And I, I talked to them about what wouldn't be better if people knew exactly how they're doing now, because if they're short of their incentive and they just even may have four more sales, they'll just go out and get those four more sales. They'll work harder at it. Right now, right. they don't know how short they are of their sales. They might miss it by one sale and if they knew ahead of time, would the person do one more sale? And what's the value to the company? If you so had that better like tool. Real time information instead of like what happened last month or something. Yeah, and the the other thing is with what happened last month since you don't look at the data till the end of the month, uh, then you don't know if the data is accurate. But if people are looking at the data every day, then they can clean the data as the month goes on. So when it's finally calculated, the data is right. You're not spending all this time going back and recalculating. Okay. Paying people okay. wrong. So that ends up saving time, and the business could end up making more money because people get motivated by seeing real-time results or real-time what's going on. Yes, that's great. That's great. That's great. So you've mentioned this before. Southwest pays low, but they provide a lot of other benefits. And then you put love, which I know I see that like on your logo and stuff, L-U-V. Um, um, do you feel that Southwest expects the best and gives the best? I think so. 
And I've never worked there. I've only read stuff about it. I, mm-hmm. I hear about their their two days of of Halloween party, so they definitely have lots of fun there. Uh, they run a airline company, so as far as I know, they've never crashed and killed anybody. I know they split off the runways, but they have a very high level of protection when it comes to the part thing. Protect, they protect their employees, but most importantly, they protect their customers. And then accuracy, when they're when, the, when they're fixing these planes, when they're managing it, when they think they're flying, they've got to be accurate. And there are no margins for error when it comes to people's lives in the airline industry. And I think they do it really well. And I think it's a high-stress environment, but they make it lower stress. Right. And people, so people said, love working said, there. Yeah, you said they provide a lot of other benefits. And in the past, we've talked about you know, doing parties and having, you know, like game rooms in their break rooms and stuff like that. Um, were you talking about other benefits like, you know, health insurance and those things, or did you mostly mean sort of the cultural kinds of benefits? I think it was cultural, but let's let's see. Um, what does it say? I we can research it online. I don't think employees can fly free. You know, I used to have a a client who um, worked for Southwest, and she left like a year after 9-11 to like kind of start her own consultancy. But she loved the company, and she still like always speaks very highly of Southwest, you know. All right, let's see here. So Southwest Airlines might decide to work for an airline for the prospect of traveling. Southwest Airlines offers what would be a dream job perk for any Rolling Stone. Unlimited free travel on the airlines. The ability extends to spouses and partners, and the offer even includes four buddy passes per quarter. Employees also receive discount on airline partners, hotels, and car rentals. Maybe it's time to invite uh, that flight attendant friend to your over to your dinner. <laughs> That's funny. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so that's nice. It's like you can fly for free because you have Southwest. You know. Yeah. Take, um, take your spouse and your right, kids. Right. Right. Why did you put that little love L U V there? Was there something that you wanted to say about that? Well, that's their, that's their stock temp, ticker symbol. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, it's, it, and it's, it's it's just kind of neat. It's what you put in front of people is what you expect. At my company, I expect people to be sane and to treat customers so that they become sane or help them find their sanity. Uh, Southwest expects people to feel loved. And if you're confused, look at the stock symbol, L-U-V. They fly out of Love Field. And it's it's all over the place. And they have hearts on their, their logos. Their logo, no right. Confu- Right, you right. love flying for South with Southwest or for Southwest, and uh, it's it's just it's part of, of the whole culture, the whole experience. They expect the best, and they even put it in the logos. And right. they give the best. You know, what do they give? They give, as we said, uh, all those free flights. Right. I know. Uh, years ago, I read this um, book about Herb Kelleher, the guy who started. 
Southwest. It was called like Nuts or something. Yeah, I read that a long time ago. And when he and his partner decided to start the, the airlines, I mean, it was kind of like, you know, part of the plan was like drawn out on a cocktail napkin. And, yep. you know, Keller was telling him, it's like, if we can have faster times turning the planes around, right, we can we can make money on it. And uh, his partner, whoever his name was, I can't remember right now, he goes, you're nuts. Let's do it. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, you know, the the way they do that, which I thought was interesting, was they only have one type of plane. And they they only fly MD-80s, at least at the time they did. So it made it easier if there was ever an issue with the plane. Well, their mechanics only worked on one plane. And they had all the parts just for that one plane. And everybody, they cleaned that one plane. So they got, they got better, they got faster, and bam. Right. Do they still only have one plane, you know, the one style of plane? I think so. I think they'd fly MD-80s. Okay. Okay. I could be wrong. I mean, we have to research that. But that's that's the, the big thing on, on how how they're so good at what they do is because there's no confusion. It's This is your process every time. They've got it all spec'd out. If you ever fly at, like, United or Delta, they probably have, like, 15 different planes. So if something goes off in the cockpit and says your your oxygen sensor is wrong, well, now the guy's got to go to the go – the hangar, go find an oxygen sensor for that specific plane, make sure it works, but it could take a while. And, and make and, sure you have the, the kind of mechanic that knows how to work on that plane. Yeah, true. So, yeah, Delta, yeah. if you have 15 planes, and you need multiple mechanics. What if the guy's on vacation? Right, right, right. So, anyway, you know, a while ago, you, you were working with a company called, I don't know, and you're probably still working with them in some other way, but you were working with a company called the Henry Group, and you rolled out, you know, sort of like their version of the um, the part uh, philosophy or mission yep. and everything. How's that going Correct. for them? It's not. They 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 say they want something, but they don't really want it. So I, they they paid me all this money to help them with it, and they they don't have it on their walls. They don't use it in their daily conversations. It was just something so the CEO could say, this is what I want, but he doesn't really want it. He just wanted something to say. This is what I think. Okay. So I'm like, still talking to him. I'm still working with him, but the, the thing was serve. So I mean, they, they right. can leave it. At some point, they're going to probably get back to it. But if I, was, if I was a CEO of a company and I wanted my mission for my employees to be serve, I would put tennis rackets all over the place. I'd give everybody a tennis ball with serve on it and the company logo. I would make it so people understood what each one of those things meant and maybe even write it on the wall what the serve stand for. Right, right. So they didn't they didn't really give their best with that cultural thing. It was more like lipstick on a pig. Yeah, pretty much. I I just did a uh, onboarding manual for them and I put the serve okay. principles in, in the onboarding manual. So it's uh-huh. it's slowly getting put into things. Uh but I think at the end of the day, he doesn't care. He's, I think the I told you that the owner is like a, the son of a billionaire, right? Right. Well, I mean, you told me you were working with they were like super wealthy person people, but it was the uh, the woman. I think you said her name was Paula, who like uh-huh. she was the one who was all about serve. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, Pauline. That's his wife. Pauline. I was close. I was close. Close. You're very <laughs> close. Very close. 
Well, Pauline was big on serve, but but David, he's now had a real job for let's say five years for five years building this company. He's 39. He's like, I've been busting my butt doing this. I'm losing millions of dollars every year, and my siblings are just sitting there playing golf all day because they are passively investing their million their billion dollars, and they're doing a little bit better. But I think he just wants to go tell dad, this look what I've done. I built this great empire, and he's now losing. I guess, interest in it. I bet he sells it within the next two to three years. Right. What does the company do? He It's a conglomerate. He buys companies. So he bought, and he's doing a lot of grassroots buying. So he, he bought licenses to El Polo Loco chicken restaurants, and he owns okay. four of them. He owns 20 salitas, salad restaurants, um, porta potties, like thousands of those. Uh, Texas Johns is the company's name, uh, something he's in petroleum, uh, medical, med dive, which is like an iron lung. Oh, so kind they, of thing. they acquire these things. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So um, is there another example of a company that you've helped where they really are taking it to heart and providing the best by, you know, just incorporating the new culture in a really great way? Uh, well, <clears throat> since I'm new, no, I can't tell you that. But I can tell you that people who have spun off from my teams who have now either man- are managers or run their own shops hold on to that part. And they hold on to let's go out and have fun, let's enjoy each other. And they have low turnover. And then they have higher accuracy rates. And their departments are doing really well. So it's it's Spun off to Monica now runs the Almar shop. Alex Crank runs the shop over at Assurian. Um, Kevin Wiederhold, he's now the CHO over at Floors and Decor. So what we created in our little advanced auto part incubator has worked out at other companies. So I know it works. And right. So did you mention Floors and Decor? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I um. I recently did some stuff in my kitchen and I ordered backsplash tile from Floors and Decor. You know. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. Okay. So um closing thoughts on expecting the best and providing the best. Uh, this is the one area that that is mostly overlooked that will help steer your ship to provide the most value. Yeah, yeah. I think when people sense quality, you know, and it's not about, like, the expensive furniture or whatever, like, you know, you were saying um, Tony did, but when they expect, when they see sort of quality in their people and the way things are run and, like you say, the tools and the, you know, just, treating people well and things like that. People really want to be a part of that. Yeah. People people like to have fun and, and give their best. They, they really do. And it's amazing what just writing a letter will do. I, I think we talked about this before about Campbell Soup Company of Doug Condit would write hundreds of thank you letters every week, I think. And Frank Blake, CEO of Home Depot, uh, every Sunday he, he came in and he wrote 100 thank you letters, handwritten them to all the employees who got positive stuff. And I've even, I've, you know, I write, a, when I was at uh, one company, uh, 
that I was working for, I, I wrote a thank you letter to their payroll people for this one lady who did a really great job. I said, thank you. did an awesome job. Helped out everybody. I came down three months later. She had that little small square thank you card posted on her board. It was that important yeah. to her. Nice. Well, that, what yeah. that take me? Like 30 seconds to make that type of impact? Get more work out of the person? Right. Right. And I, you know, I think a great example you gave me, I don't remember when this was, but you started working for a company and this was like when you were pretty like early out of college and you had met the CEO at some kind of conference or something. So you sent him a little note and said, I met you and I'm excited about starting. And he yeah. took the time to send you a little note back, you know. And have that I'm note. Sure that, yeah, I'm sure that meant a lot to you, just that someone would have the presence of mind and the caring to do something like that. Yeah, the, the, the CEO was CEO of Walmart International. His name was Bobby Martin. He was in mm-hmm. charge of probably, I guess at that time, probably $50 billion worth of revenue maybe. I don't know if it's that big, but it was pretty big. He's working at Walmart, which at the time was over $100 billion. So let's say it was over $20 billion. Traveling the world, the guy's in charge of all these people in all these countries, and he took time after I sent him an email to say, uh, I, well, I sent an email via inter-office email, and he hand-wrote back to me, to my store, welcome to Walmart, Bobby, with an exclamation part. Yeah, very nice. That's all he said. Nice. All he said. Yeah. I right. his letterhead, too. Nice, nice. So, good, good. All right. So, um, that wraps up today's conversation. Are you and your family going out and doing fun things in Toronto today? or? Yeah, we're going to go to the Christmas market about 3 o'clock. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, then, that'll be great. And then go hit dinner after that, and then I, I have a client meeting today. Actually, a potential client. When I was in Atlanta uh, last week, and I, right. I went to the. Did I tell you I went to the Four Seasons and met Charles Barkley. No, you didn't. You when when we talked <laughs> last week, you were like sick in bed at the Marriott. I mean, you were talking to me. I think from under the covers or something. You know, like because yeah. you were not not feeling kind of under the yeah. weather. I really appreciate well, next, you doing the meeting anyway, you know. <laughs> I'm dying. I, I think it was uh, Wednesday, because we probably talked on Tuesday. So Wednesday yeah. night I, I went out. As I, had a, I had a meeting with somebody, and then I went to the Four Seasons. I'm like, well, I'm going to go here. Might as well see if I can network with anybody. And sitting behind me is Charles Barkley. That is so, so cool. I, so I went to him like, hey man, I like what you're saying, all stuff, and and I, I don't I don't want to act like a teenager, but can we have a selfie? He's like, of course. So I got a selfie with. I have to I'll send you a text with it. It's kind of funny. That's and nice. then uh, sitting next to me was a guy named Andy, and he is in charge of the ice cream production and ice, all, all things ice cream related to Eminem and Mars. And okay. so we we sat there and drank, and uh, and he's going to meet with me today after dinner in Toronto because this is where he lives. So I bought him a, a bottle of whiskey and I'm going to hand it to him and see if I can start up some business. You know, I think I read a couple of years ago that Barclay is worth like $160 million. And you never know I guess, it. Yeah, I guess someone 
said to him very early in his basketball career, you know, which he made millions of money. For, he, I mean, he, he said, I was going out and spending money like a fool, you know, because I had it for the first time. And he goes, somebody said to me, don't be like a lot of these stupid NBA players who, like, burn through all this money and then have nothing after their career ends. And he yeah. just got really, really smart about, you know, managing his money and, and being wise with it. And, of course, now he's always, you know, you see him on TV all the time promoting, you know, Icy Hot or, you know, whatever product it is. Um, mm-hmm. And he makes, I guess he makes millions and millions of dollars doing these product endorsements and everything. Oh, you know? I'm sure he does. I, I, I think that's interesting you bring that. There's, I remember reading about Michael Jordan. His mom told him to live on $25,000, and he did that. Now he's a gazillionaire. He'd be twice as rich if he didn't get divorced. And then um, there's a story recently about all these football players who are living like paupers. One football player, I think he's $8 million, he's a quarterback for one of the teams, lives with his in-laws with his wife. Wow. Because he just does too much travel and his wife doesn't want to travel and it doesn't make any sense because they don't know where they're going to be in a year or two to go buy a house. So they're just living with the in-laws. So did you give Barkley a business card, or did you just take the selfie and just leave it of at course. that? Yeah. No, okay, good. We, we talked about what I was doing, and he, he said, that's kind of funny. What's that Sandy all about? And I, we're joking. And uh, so I give my tagline, I help companies regain their sanity. It's kind of like what you do in the sporting world. You, you have all this insane stuff go on, and you help them regain it by explaining why it was done a certain way and try to calm the fans down. He's like, yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah, I'm a sanity, I'm a sanity guy. It could work for you. But uh, nice guy. You never know he's worth $100 billion, $100 million and good talker. But he's, he's, I think he's been trained over the last 30-plus years on interactions. So cool guy. You know what? I'll hire him. I'll tell you, Chris, if Charles Barkley is inquisitive about seeing sanity on your business card and what, asking what it's about, you got a winner there. You know? I think okay. Winner. Yeah. I think we're All right. Okay. Well, have fun at the Christmas market today. Do you want to schedule a time for next week? Or are you going to be? Yeah. What What is What does your week look like? Well, uh, well, Monday I, I'm going to be opening gifts in the morning. Of course. Uh, Monday, Monday afternoon, doing nothing. Uh, Tuesday, I think we're driving to Rochester. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I'll be at my in-laws house trying to stay out of the okay. way. So any of those days work, just, just schedule Wednesday? it now. How Let's about Wednesday? Okay. Yeah, and nice. you'll be in the eastern time zone. Um, would 11 o'clock be okay? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Chris, Moses, all right, at 8 o'clock my time, which is 11 o'clock for you. Okay. Yep. It is in my calendar, sir. All right, excellent. Okay. All right, have fun at the Christmas market with your family and everything, and I'll talk to you in a week and a day, and have a Merry Christmas. Have fun opening presents and all that good stuff. All right, thank you. You have fun, too. See you later. Bye-bye. Okie dokie. Take care. Bye-bye.
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.